Our second scripture reading today comes from the book of Exodus. The bulletin says it starts in chapter 3, verse 1, but we're actually going to pick up the story a few verses earlier, in the second chapter, starting in the 23rd verse. Hear now the word of God. After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out. Out of the slavery, their cry for help rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God looked upon the Israelites, and God took notice of them. Moses was keeping his flock, the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why this bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Or alternatively, I will be who I will be. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
over the following Sundays where we are preaching here in this pulpit. We're going to spend our time covering the big story. Do you have a big story in your life? That one story that makes sense of just about everything that has happened to you? The big story in my life is getting to meet Anne, the other co-pastor, you know, my, my wife. It's a story where, well, I don't look all that suave. <laughs> I don't look all that dapper and um, charming. It's a story of me bumbling into realizing this relationship that was before me and sensing God's call on a shared life together, one that has gone in a very different direction in my life than where I was going before I met and really got to know Anne. If you haven't heard that story, I invite you during coffee hour at some time to come and hear me speak about it, because it's a story where God comes through in ways that really don't make me seem like I'm all that suave. It's not the romance story that you might expect. But that's a story for another day. You all might have different stories. Maybe where you found your calling in life. When you finally got a sense of why you were put on this earth and what you were called to do. Maybe it's a story of a transformation of a relationship. Where someone that you thought was close to you turned out to be different than what you expected. Maybe you have a series of stories in your life. But I invite you to reflect on the big ones. The kinds of stories that shape your entire memory. And even speak about when you maybe didn't even have that story take place. It even shapes all the things that happened beforehand. At this point, after being married to Anne for some years now, I even start to imagine that Anne was present in stories that I wasn't even married to her yet and didn't know. She said, oh, Anne, do you remember? Well, no, I can't remember. We weren't, we weren't dating then. We didn't know each other then. Those are the big stories of life that shape what comes before and even what follows after. We're now coming to the big story of the people of faith, of God's chosen people. The story of the Exodus. God's people being in bondage in Egypt and God delivering them, leading them to a place of flourishing and allowing them to settle and delivering them and liberating them. This is the big story of the people of Israel. For us as Christians, it's the one part of the two big stories of our faith. There is the story of the Exodus and there is the story of Jesus Christ conquering death bringing salvation to us all. But you know that it's only a reflection of the big story because in many ways it is repeating the themes of the first one. In the story of the Exodus, God is a liberator, bringing God's people out of tyranny and oppression and bondage, setting them free to flourish and live as God intended. So too in the story of Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ liberates us. And in fact, if you follow the gospel stories closely, you might notice 
that in many places, the gospel writers take great pains to show that Jesus is just like Moses. Because that big story is what matters. If you have come to the adult education class over the past few months, you might know that we're going through the story of Abraham, one of the forefathers of the people of Israel. And as we've gone through these passages, there have been some odd moments of foreshadowing where God tells Abraham about what's going to happen in the Exodus story. Generations later. That even how the stories that come before the time of Egypt are already foreshadowing this key event. This is the big story. And today, as we hear these words again, I invite you to reflect on what this big story adds to the big question, who is God? The fact is, what we know of God comes most squarely from this big story. Of course, that's not how the church talks about God much these days. Over the past 100 years, in fact, as discoveries in science and archaeology and how the Bible was written have ended up creating a sense of anxiety for some about where faith fits in the modern world. We've ended up, for some people, building kind of a layer cake, I'll call it, of proofs and experiences about how God works in the world. To the point where, instead of starting our big story here, with the story of liberation from Egypt, we tend to start in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And all the stories of creating the things that are in our created existence, all of those pieces must be defended point by point, as if you can develop a clear and open and shut case for faith, layer by layer, that establishes where God is in the world. And there are now theme parks dedicated to experiencing stories like Noah's Ark, generated with the idea that if we can understand how God could have done all of these things, we can understand how faith works. Friends, those are important stories in the Bible. But they are not the big story. They might try and show God as the creator, God who creates a master plan for how everything has been fashioned together. And there might be some benefit to understanding and marveling about those things. But that marveling comes second. Because our story today reminds us that first, God has to arrive in your own life. God has to arrive in the very events of what you are experiencing for you to begin to understand how God is at work in the world. It isn't a layer cake of proof after proof, but an experience. Because the nature of our God 
as this big story reminds us, is to show up in our events of life. It might even surprise us. In the second chapter of Exodus, the people of Israel are crying out. If you've heard other scripture texts before, like in the book of Judges or in the Psalms, you'll notice something is missing. Because usually when the people of Israel cry out, they cry out to the Lord, and the Lord answers them. Here, in this passage, in the time of most pressing impingement, the time where they feel the pain and tyranny of Pharaoh the most, their cry just goes out. It doesn't go to God directly. And it shows us that the people of Israel do not yet know God intimately. Yes, there may have been promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but a lot of time has passed. And the people of Israel do not yet know that God is hearing their cries. So friends, God is going to show up in their experience in ways that they do not expect. God will arrive in their suffering and in their hurt in ways that they could not anticipate. God has purposes and plans for deliverance in the works. And God also shows up in the very events of God's chosen servant, Moses. By this time in the story, Moses was raised in the house of Pharaoh kills an Egyptian and escapes out to the wilderness of Midian. He marries and has a child and is living the life of a shepherd. But you get the sense that his fleeing wasn't going to be the end of his story. And God meets him in the form of a burning bush and calls him in the midst of being removed from his land and his people to return. God has a call on Moses' life and big plans to use Moses to be a part of God's great plan. And as if to prove it, Moses asks, what name should I use when I come to your people? And God says, tell them, I am who I am. If you look closely in your Bible in the pews, You'll notice that the Hebrew is a little ambiguous. The tenses don't match up to English in this same way. And an, an equally valid translation says, I will be what I will be. For those of us who are shaped by the philosophy that we may be learned of who God is, you might think God is omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, Omnibenevolent, that's a fancy word for just good. And philosophers have talked about these omnis as a way of trying to, to describe the highest being that could be conceived. Well, friends, God in this big story defines God's own self by saying, I'm going to be or I'm going to become what I'm going to become. Reminds us that the nature of God isn't found in the things that we can think of, but the very events of this story. 
And God's being is going to be revealed as this story unfolds. God is a God who liberates, who meets us in our moments of suffering and leads us into freedom. That, above all else, is the nature of this God, who will be who God will be. So we've discussed how God moves and who God is with this funny name of being or becoming. Perhaps as in response to this story, the last big question is who are we in response to it? We have all sorts of stories in our own life that tell us some of who we are. They might be shaped by our work life, by family, by our social location, where we grew up, what kind of neighborhood we lived in. Friends, those stories fall away when God shows up in our lives. And we find a new story starts to be written in our own lives. Because we will be who we will be in light of who God is for us. So today, remember the promise that God says, I will be with you in the journey of becoming. Maybe our first step, like Moses, is to take off our shoes. We wear our shoes to protect ourselves, right? Walking along on icy conditions like today, we couldn't make it very far without shoes. We might slip, but certainly it would be painful. Shoes insulate us from the reality of life. It's a good reason, right? Because it'd be painful to walk around barefoot all the time. But there come times in our lives when God shows up, where we are invited to remove our shoes to feel the ground more closely and realize that God is present with us in ways that makes us stop and take notice. Friends, when you feel called to take off your shoes, when you feel a life moment, something big is happening, don't shut it out. Don't close it off. Remain open because you might have no idea what kind of story God is working on in you. Amen.